0: Welcome to PlayEDH Radio 903.1, a podcast brought to you by the PlayEDH Discord server, the world's biggest webcam, Magic the Gathering community. In our episodes, we'll discuss new sets, deck-building strategies, and much, much more in the world of Magic the Gathering. You can find past episodes, articles about Commander, a link to our Discord and our Patreon on PlayEDH.com. Thank you for tuning in, and enjoy the show! We're happy to announce Saturday, July 9th, PlayEDH will be hosting our third Maximum Power Tournament, PlayMax 3, A competitive tournament featuring the strongest decks in the format. If you're interested in competing for a chance to win a foil Alara Ad and an Odyssey Foil Tainted Pack, sign-up forms can be found on our Patreon. We'll have coverage as well on twitch.tv slash PlayEDH. Hope to see you there! Hey everyone, Sidelio here! I'm extremely happy to bring you all today's episode, which will feature our first ever guest, Siggy, to discuss the higher power end of the power level spectrum. We thought it would be the perfect time to explore this topic on the show with the upcoming PlayMax 3 tournament, just two weeks away from the time we recorded this episode. To kind of summarize Siggy's background regarding the episode a bit, uh, he is a founding member of the PlayEDH staff and a current admin, a member of the Laboratory Maniacs channel, as well as he's been involved in developing 4-Color Rashmi and Chain Veil Tevary lists, among many others. So, uh, first off, I think it's very important for us to define what higher power EDH looks like, so Siggy, I'm extremely happy to have you on the show. How would you personally define the hi- higher power EDH as a play environment?
1: Yeah, uh, Thanks for having me, I'm, uh I've been following the podcast for a while and I'm glad to uh, make an appearance myself now. Awesome. (laughs) Um, How would I define higher power EDH? Mm, I think a lot of it can be defined um, on kind of two different axes. So uh, the first axis, I think, is more of a personal and mindset-related thing Mm, where you want to do a certain thing and you want to do that thing as well as possible. Now... Uh, in this particular aspect, I don't think it's very easy to define sort of hard lines around uh, where a deck would fall because, uh, like, in theory, you could take a strategy that is just inherently not very strong but optimize it to its fullest extent, which is, I think, indicative of a certain competitive mindset. Right. But um, especially for higher power level play specifically... Speaking of uh, like play EDH, high power, and max power, it's not just the mindset factor, but also a certain kind of threshold of power, if you want to call it that way. Um, In general, I would say higher power EDH can also be defined by the kind of lack of compromises. You want to do Mm, one thing as well as possible, so there isn't a lot of room for what people commonly call like pet cards and the like if your pet card isn't really pulling its weight in a particular deck then it's kind of important to acknowledge that and uh, maybe replace it with something that would be better yeah
0: yeah yeah that's uh you, you put it really well and I think something that. Well, of course, if you like your pet card ends up being necro for example, then you have a, a sweet spot where you can have it in the list. but uh, you're certainly mm-hmm. right that if you have some pet cards that aren't as you said, pulling their weight, it can end up in the scenario where keep where if you have the competitive mindset, you should be kind of looking at those cards objectively and then just making the hard cuts if it yep. may be just a kind of focus on the main thing which would be. In the likely scenario, optimizing the list.
1: Yeah, and uh, one one other important factor to mention there is that though, like even though there is this competitive mindset, there is still plenty of personal expression within the competitive field.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, how would you? I think that's a very very well put. Uh, kind of deeping on that, would you say uh, is it commander related mostly, or do you think that it's also about the ninety nine? How would you say about? like expression for example because i think it's something that many uh, people who enjoy the lower powered play can kind of feel like it's just staples dot deck kind of so how would you explain the expression
1: there uh it's i'd say of course like commander choice plays into it if you choose to play a certain deck uh and the, there is like a certain way in which the optimized version of that deck functions, then uh, there is an aspect of expression to that. And uh, on top of that, while the lists themselves may look very like staply, or there often aren't like that many big surprises in most deck lists. Right. Yeah. Um, I'd say there is a way of personal expression that becomes emergent in gameplay rather than just the deck list
0: oh yeah
1: and of course then like that factor of gameplay and the way you specifically play your game with your specific deck feeds back into the kinds of choices you make in deck building
0: right yeah yeah that's very nicely put thank you for sharing um to kind of continue you did mention the high power and max power which are two of the power levels on play EDH. I wanted to ask a play EDH specific question. Uh, How do they differ from each other? Uh, Some people might be wondering what exactly qualifies as like a deck for max power. So could you go through some key pointers for what differs between high and max?
1: Sure. So um, on play EDH and I think this is a very key factor that uh, might not be intuitive to somebody who first joins the server. What we are concerned with is how well decks play with each other, right? We are a large platform. We want to provide a sort of good overall experience to people that play the game and that we want people to be able to expect certain things when they go into the game. So... Um, The distinctions between high power and max power on play DH are made primarily with those factors in mind they are not necessarily just judgments on whether like a deck can compete or not because ultimately that's not really the primary question we're concerned with so uh, for us it's more about which deck is gonna play well in which environment to that extent, like we've made some guidelines, uh, some of which are also public in our power level compendium. And uh, I think if we get into the like finer details, for example, okay, I'm looking at this specific deck list. Uh, is it max power? Is it high power? Where is kind of the difference? That is something I think you might also have a bit of experience with, given that you've been a mentor on PlayDH now for... Is it a year already or over? I already? think
0: yeah I think it's uh I think it's gonna be a year soon or maybe it's already been i I'm not too sure about yeah uh, while I was a mentor, I did go through deck lists of course of uh the different powers and uh I would kind of bounce off with the high and max things as it is mostly a play environment thing as the other power levels as well. We want to have a curated experience where the decks are kind of doing an expected amount of stuff at an expected pace in a sense like for example high power might have some uh, for example what's usually considered as maybe in the grander uh, theme of like CEDH someone would think okay this commander if it plays powerful cards it has to be like the best list possible but if there are some uh, things that have been made for example some suboptimal cards maybe a more budgety lists uh, mm-hmm. Something that comes to my mind is there have been a uh, like wonderful stuff that are extremely bi- extremely budgety, but they've been built so well that I they function well in the high power environment. But when looking at, for example, max power, the same list might not kind of be at a comfortable like environment there because it has made those uh like either some cuts of powerful cards or sacrifices some of the objective overall power and then it might end up in a scenario where for example the land base might not be fit for the max power environment as if they'd sacrifice a turn one play for example but there are it's a wonderful world overall and and high power I think is a very sweet spot in the sense that it also features maybe more unconventional stuff that has been optimized and this kind of bounces off what you uh, started when we defined the uh, like higher power EDH in general, which is maybe taking a suboptimal thing and trying to optimize it as far. And something that I made, which I still am pretty proud of, uh, was a, an Arabo list, which I pushed as far as I could, which uh, which was like this hack and stacks kind of list where you'd uh, go and beat down with like kitty cats that you get to buff, because some of the cats are good stacks pieces and also, like, also Thassa, for example, I built a high list for, but it's a wonderful, wonderful world overall.
1: Yeah. Now. And yeah. Uh, one more thing to say would maybe be, um, I think high power, in essence, is like a a slightly more relaxed or more uh, more free, if you want to call it that way, environment. And uh, one way in which that is indicated is by uh, having the Thassa's Oracle and the Money Consultation or Tainted Pact combo banned on PlayEDH for that environment, because um, it, it is a combo that puts a lot of stress like on other lists in terms of being able to deal with it, particularly for decks that don't have access to counterspells. And just removing that, I think, already opens up the space quite a bit for like this kind of experimentation.
0: Yeah, something to uh, kind of add on to this is that like Thassa's Oracle, for example, wonderful card did uh, well wonderful in some senses. It's super powerful uh, in conjunction with those cards and uh, something that it doesn't require as much is like setup and also the fact that it's the ETB trigger makes it so much more easier to ex- execute, for example, when compared to Laboratory Maniac. So as you mentioned, it frees up a nice space where you can kind of compete with those kind of strategies. Like you could still go for a Tainted Pact and Lab Maniac kind of a combo win, but there's more room to interact with it. For example, with like spot removal onto the creature and stuff. Well, uh, something that I think our listeners are eager to hear, especially if they're nearer to play EDH in general, or perhaps not on play EDH. um, When we talk of the term... CEDH or competitive EDH. Let's say a player joins the server with their CEDH list. Uh, what range of kind of in the power level spectrum on play EDH would the deck likely land in? How would you answer to this?
1: I'd say like if it's a known CEDH list, then 99% of the time that list is going to fall into either high power or competitive um again a like if we if we were to envision how these uh, sort of power levels and CEDH overlap um, there is a, a part of CEDH is in high power another part of CEDH is in max power and the reason for this once again is that in CEDH a list only has to pass a certain viability threshold to be considered a CEDH list. But right. there are no considerations being made towards which uh, other like fully optimized or competitive decks this deck would play well or play poorly against. So um, that's kind of the aspect we're adding on play EDH, with the power levels and the distinction like high power, max power. Certain CEDH lists don't play as well with what you'd find in max power on play EDH compared to what people are playing in high power.
0: Right. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I think that's interesting for our listeners and something that I agree with. Um, moving on here, now that we've kind of covered uh, the higher end of the spectrum and talked about higher, po- higher power EDH in general, uh, I'd like us to get to know you better, Siggy. So... I know you have quite quite a bit of history with the higher power EDH in general, so I prepared some topics for us to discuss. So I know you're a dear staff member of PlayEDH. What's your role on the server and what do you do?
1: So I am an admin of PlayEDH. Uh, I've always been an admin of PlayEDH uh, ever <laughs> since it's come into existence. As you've mentioned in the intro, I'm one of the founding members. I used to do a ton of different stuff, especially back in the day when we were smaller, but um in 2020 i think PlayDH or since 2020 PlayDH has seen a big overhaul and our roles have become a bit more uh, stratified if you want to put it that way mm-hmm. uh what i handle nowadays is mostly like um a bit of internal coordination and uh, i take care of the patreon stuff and yeah
0: that's yeah, uh,
1: my main role as an admin right now. I'm uh, cool. together with two other admins, Cryptic, who uh, is spearheading the content push that this is also part of, and uh, Ravin, who is taking care of, uh, let's say, like HR-type stuff. Right,
0: yeah. We have a quite, like, I think the whole team we have here is it's interesting in a sense, and I I like, for example, for me, uh, I joined PlayDH during the biggest boom era which was like the start of 2020 and for the longest time i wasn't on the staff i was just kind of interacting overall in the server and just playing a ton of games because i fell in love with the curated power level system i got to play the stuff i wanted and it wasn't kind of stigmatized as as much for example if i play a counter spell people would be more like Maybe give a small groan if it was their wincon, but then it'd be just like moving on there and not kind of table flip esque. So uh, it's I'm very thankful that you've been a part of the founding members and that PlayEDH exists. So thank you for that. Um, well, on the Magic the Gathering, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the end of like Magic the Gathering itself, um, what's your history with MTG like? When did you get into it
1: and how? Ooh, To be honest, I don't remember the exact point. Um, The first time I had ever seen magic cards, or like realized magic is a thing, was uh, when I was in elementary school and kind of playing at a friend's house, and he had some cards laying around. Um, That might have been maybe around like 2002, 2003. At least I remember the cards he had being old border and being a little bit uh, at the time disgusted by how weird the old gold border looked because i Uh I just didn't understand what was going on there i didn't know the game and anything (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but do you
0: do you you remember any uh, like specific cards or like artworks from amongst (laughs) the first cards do you have any any recollection
1: um so two of the first cards i remember but that was from a later period that was around 2006 2007 maybe when i like really got into it the first kind of set I actively remember is um, the Future Sight block, like all of those sets, and how weird it was. Which <laughs> was a bit of an unusual time to get into Magic for the first time, because that was when they were doing like stuff they don't normally do. Um, <laughs> yeah. But during that time, two of the cards I remember were uh, Rocks, which I thought at the time was like the craziest creature ever, because it basically had like. Trample <laughs> and, Amazing uh, there, there was some like 8 mana green 8 8 that made you pay a lot of stuff on upkeep to keep it around That was another one
0: Oh, We, we gotta find out We gotta find out the card and see if it <laughs> If we can make it max worthy Probably not but <laughs> we can at least try uh, Regarding EDH then um, When did you get into EDH?
1: So that was much, much later. Um, Of course, like, when I was a kid, I was mostly playing EDH, like, completely casually. Then around, I'd say, like, New Phyrexia Innistrad, I got more seriously interested in magic and started following, like, the pro tour and that kind of stuff, playing a bit of uh, standard, a bit of modern, a bit of legacy. And then I took a break after Return to Ravnica until Magic Origins came out at that time i kind of got into a new uh, friend group and they were all into magic so i also got back into it and that's hmm. when i discovered like these 100 card lists that people were posting online with uh, all the singleton copies and uh, <laughs> outrageous prices for a deck and all of that and <laughs> i i got kind of curious about okay what's what's going on there what are these people doing that i'm so completely unaware of right um uh, that's that's how I found out.
0: <laughs> awesome! Yeah, thanks for sharing. That that's that's fun to hear. Uh, I think listeners know I won't dip too much into my background because I think we covered it in our first ep- every episode. But for me, EDH was also like much later, and Magic in general. Like I have more experience in other other card games, but then kind of fell in love with EDH maybe at the start of like 2017 uh, with the Arabo precon and. Then, later on, like the biggest deep for me was in two thousand twenty with play e d h and my Thassalist, which still remains as my pet deck to the day uh what about we kind of talked about e d h in general, but uh how did you get and when did you get into higher power play slash uh competitive e d h
1: so um, shortly after I discovered EDH, I joined a Skype group with a bunch of people, including uh, Ryan, our former admin from Australia. Oh, cool. And uh, th- that's kind of where the sort of seeds for play EDH were sown. Um, we had a player in that group at the time. Uh, his name is Jerry, who was playing basically the uh, CEDH, the Revy list at that time. And of course, whenever I was playing with Jerry, I was like, okay, what, what is this guy doing? How can I beat this? So <laughs> uh, that's kind of how I started looking into um, more higher power and competitive EDH because I wanted to really, like, yeah, I, I wanted to beat him. And uh, I joined the EDH Discord. I started working on a Xer the Enchanter, um, not Doomsday list, actually, because uh of course i was trying to be a bit special i was working on sort of a the prison stacks type of deck
0: ah sweet
1: and uh i it was very nice at the time like the people on the cdh discord were extremely welcoming and i quickly made a lot of good friends there that i'm still in contact with to this day really wonderful people and um for one of our Bruce days, which we had back then, which was, like, a weekly event where people get together on voice chat and brew a list, uh, they were kind enough to actually, like, take a look at my um deck, and we spent the whole evening, like, working on, okay, how can this be improved? How can we make it work? And all of that kind of stuff, and that, that was just so nice that I decided to stick around with the community and become more involved. So over time... Uh, <coughs> I started developing a deep appreciation for both CEDH as a game and its various like intricacies, and the community itself as well.
0: Awesome, yeah! Thanks a lot for sharing. I I didn't actually know about the uh, history with Ryan. That's pretty wholesome in a sense, like a circle coming together. Um, you mentioned your zero list. Uh, what about? Like other lists, do you have a certain main deck that you piloted throughout the years, or was it the Zerlist list, or did you move into like move on to something else later?
1: I very quickly moved away from the Zerlist. list. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So my my first, I think, proper love in CDH was Chain Veil vale to Ferry, which um, I also ended up working on a very long primer with together with uh, Neo Sloth, a fellow uh Teferi player and friend of mine. Then, Sweet. after after that, I um. I discovered, or you can't really say discover. Like as soon as um, Flash Hulk became legal in the format, I started work on Breakfast Hulk. Like literally on the day, that card got unbanned. I sat down and sort of made the first draft of that deck, and uh, that then became my second sort of main deck. I'd say. Yeah. Uh, nice. In the meantime, I was also playing around with a number of partner decks, like or stuff I had been working on was uh, often in the uh, like black, blue, red, green space. So uh, Yidris at one point, or Thrasios Vile Smasher. Um, I I made so many different Thrasios Vile Smasher lists. Jesus Christ! <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, Yidris is so Yidris was actually the first like higher power list I ever built and Ooh. man I uh, like the way I had built it was uh, like zero CMC slot was pretty much exclusively exclusively uh, built for mana so whenever I play like a Gitaxium probe or something then I'd get the mana rock that I could use for another spell and oh it's mm. it, it has a special place in my heart On July 9th, play EDH is hosting our third Maximum Power
1: Tournament, PlayMax 3. As always, there are sweet prizes to be had, with the grand prize of a gorgeous Odyssey Foil Tainted Pact and a foil extended art Voss's Oracle, as well as top four prizes of exclusive PlayMats and Alara Foil Ad Nauseums. Signups are available on Patreon.com PlayEDH. We hope to see you there. Now back to the show.
0: Lastly, I wanted to move into the territory of Playmax 3 and the predictions uh, coming into it. So uh, in the first two tournaments, we've seen a wide wide variety of lists. Uh, What sort of lists took the first place trophy for each of them?
1: So this is a very interesting thing. Um, If we we think about CEDH or competitive EDH, max power, however you want to call it, People often think of the kind of TurboNorz, Breach, uh, Oracle Consult lists being uh, the kind of pinnacle of the format. But, interestingly enough, uh, they don't actually win all that many tournaments. And uh, both Playmax tournaments were also won by lists that are decidedly not that. Uh, In the first tournament, the winner was a Krak Sakashima list. Very uh, cool and fun Very stuff. It's, spicy. Yeah, it, it's it's such a fascinating deck. Um, it's it's a bit of a shame that it's caught some flack recently with regards to tournaments because um, obviously, like resolving all of these coin flips and whatnot just takes a certain amount of time, even without slow play.
0: Mm, right. Yeah.
1: So there's, there's been some discussion around whether like event organizers should ban it from their tournaments and similar things. Uh, I personally. Um, kind of on the fence about it, I I think a bit more time is needed to, like, see how it develops and maybe for the authors of the list to make a few adjustments to cut down on this kind of time without hurting the viability of the list.
0: Right, yeah. Maybe, like, streamline it a bit, but it's it's hard to say because the nature of the list does include those and maybe it would require some sort of an, like... I don't know, maybe instead of rolling die or flipping coins something that could be used and shared like faster to kind of run through it but I think the main issue is that it's, as they are flips, uh, it's not 100% decisive, even though if you have like multiple flips, you have the Krark and then you have Sakashima out for example, and it would be kind of in the territory where you will win, but as it's not deterministic, you need to kind of go through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the second tournament? What won that?
1: So the second tournament is one that made me personally really happy. Um, the second tournament was won by one of our uh, Max Power Regulars, Battle Shatner, with a deck he's been working on for a very, very long time, which is uh, Crick, Son of Yorgmoth. Ah, yes. And I'm I'm just such a big Crick fan. Uh, I made a Conquest version of the same list. I'm still working on it to this day, and... Uh, Crick is such a fun and interesting commander, and I think the way in which Shatner has built his list is extremely well tailored to the environment that is specifically max power and not CEDH overall, Mm. if that makes sense. So, all right, yeah, because of his like intimate knowledge of max power specifically, uh, or seeing that sort of come to fruition and having him win the tournament, and on top of that, with a more unusual list like Crick uh, to me was really really cool and I'm uh, I'm glad he won and uh, I I always enjoy talking about Crick with him, his insights are really interesting to listen to I think probably even for people that don't have a specific interest in Crick but are more generally interested in like Max Power
0: mm, Right, yeah thanks a lot for sharing, uh, yeah I was really happy to see uh, Crick won also, uh, win also it's It's a really unique list and I think it's just so fun to kind of... Something that sparks interest in me is maybe a bit more like unconventional side of things. For example stuff that you can kind of warp around your commander uh, for the higher power play Uh, like Kyrg for example you can do so much stuff with the mana costs. You can play stuff that are otherwise maybe not as playable in kind of these more staple-esque decks which are kind of more just uh, warped around uh, value generation and then the win cons itself mm. and stuff like Neoform uh, I built my Tassigur re- uh, list in paper yesterday uh, with the new collection purchase so um, just Eldritch, Evo and Neoform is something that I love so much and oh man I, I'll, I'm currently waiting on to see if it's more tailored towards higher max because there are some kind of budget your choices in the mana base, so I think it might end up towards high, but we'll see, we'll see.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: when considering the upcoming Playmax 3 tournament, uh, what kind of lists would you like to see represented in the third tournament?
1: I think some... So I've talked before about how the uh, Grixis, Gnaws, Oracle, Breach... Kind of piles uh, were not really represented at the top tables of those tournaments. Um, specifically, I think I'd like to see those in Playmax 3, but um, not like in general. Specifically, the new commanders from New Capenna. I think, mm. uh, what's her name? Evelyn was a really interesting one with World Gorger and stuff. And yeah. Uh, the one I'm personally most interested in is Cormela, which also happened to be our play EDH spoiler.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm so happy to hear you mention it. Uh, I think we have another staff member, uh, Alc, who is extremely enthusiastic about Cormela, uh, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I think it's the card is just so cool, and I think there's so much, uh, so much stuff you can do with her. So uh, I am really advocating for your statement as well. It would be would be cool to see. Something I do also enjoy, are those kind of different, a bit different lists? Like, I've always liked uh, Rurik Thar, for example, mm-hmm. and it would be kind of see uh, cool to see those, especially if we see those like uh, Turbonos and Breach lists, because I think there is the space where these kind of stacks your lists that, you, that punish you for it um, can kind of thrive, but it's, it depends so much on the pods and just like overall how the uh, pods form. Because if you're playing against three of those or you're only playing one, and if there's other stacks elements as well, so
1: it's, it's so really much. funny that you mentioned Rorikthar specifically. Because uh, not too long ago, I actually did a consultation with a uh, PlayEDH member where we worked on Rorikthar specifically in preparation. For Playmax 3. So if, oh. uh, if he does well on that Rorik Thalist, obviously I'm also going to be happy and maybe a bit proud.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool to hear. Uh, also, I had something that I'd personally kind of want to build because I got cards for it now, but uh, Tatiova is also something that I'd, I'd like to see represented in the tournament. But I'm mm-hmm. not sure about the sign up, so not sure what everything we're going to see. But. I'm eager to see.
1: Yeah, I'm sure uh, there's going to be a lot of sweet stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned Cormella and Evelyn as, uh, also, but uh, are there any other newer commanders that you'd like to see uh, in the Playmax 3 tournament?
1: Oh, there's so many new commanders. Um, I, I need to think about it, because there's like a whole bunch of uh, like commander background combinations from uh, Baldur's Gate.
0: Mm, right, yeah.
1: Uh, there's... Yep.
0: Yeah, the world w- Gorger Dragon-esque uh, Commander the Mono White. I'll have mm-hmm. to check the name, but uh, that's something that would be kind of cool to see, at least in my opinion.
1: Yep. Was it Abdel? Something like that.
0: Yeah, so- sounds correct, yeah. And I think there's, like, the best combination for it is uh, one of the black backgrounds. I can't remember exactly what it did, but... Uh, going Orzhov would allow you to go for those animated necromancy kind of stuff to
1: yeah, kind of leverage and it then. And... Orzhov specifically is also a color combination that has been a bit overlooked in uh, the history of competitive EDH and max power both. So mm. um, having a max power Orzhov deck and having it be represented at the tournament would definitely be a cool thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh Moving on here, uh, at this moment already, I wanted to thank you so much for coming onto the show, Sigi. Uh, As we're moving towards wrapping the episode up, uh, do you have any closing thoughts or other mentions you'd like to share? And I wanted to ask, as we've talked about other projects and past projects, uh, what sort of projects are you currently working on? Anything with Conquest, perhaps, or what are you working on?
1: I'd say Conquest is probably the number one magic-related project I've been working on. Uh, for those that don't know, Conquest is a multiplayer format that's quite similar to Commander. Um, we have lower life totals, lower Commander damage. The kind of goal overall is to um, not just have combo represented at the very like top end of the format regarding power level, but uh, we want... To create an environment where people can also play things like uh, commander damage strategies or go wide aggro, or honestly, whatever comes to mind, really. Like, Conquest for me so far has been an amazing space to experiment with and have fun in and develop entirely new deck ideas that I just couldn't really envision for high power EDH.
0: That's and, cool here.
1: Um, yeah, if, if that sounds interesting to any of you that are listening, uh, please very much either ping me about Conquest or join the Conquest Discord as well. We do have a partnership with them, so um, I'm, I'm happy to sort of wrap it a bit. I myself am a member of the Conquest balance team, so uh, if we make an update and it's bad, you can add me. <laughs> if we make an update and it's good, you can definitely add me. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, I have to ask, is stuff like Skullbriar viable in con- Conquest, for example? Like, I'm just thinking about those, as you mentioned, those commander damage things. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any examples of uh, kind yeah. of these maybe, like, more commander damage-esque
1: lists? Skullbriar is super viable. I've gotten killed by that deck a bunch of times. <laughs> um, another really sweet one is Greven. oh yeah uh, that that thing just slaps you (laughs) several times even if you're not prepared um my personal commanded damage deck of choice is hogak because i just love playing with like graveyard things and basically having two hands and hogak is a free 8 8 so you only need to buff it by four power to uh make it lethal in one swing
0: oh that's that's interesting
1: what yeah, else I... is there? Oh, Yoshimaru is, of course, also a very good one right now for commander Sweet. damage.
0: Sweet. Uh, yeah, I I have to admit that I haven't dipped my toes too much into Conquest, but I've always only heard positive things about it, so I think I'll need to exper- experiment a little bit. And also, am I correct that planeswalkers are uh, legal-ass commanders there?
1: Yes, you are, and... Um... One of our monthly conquest leagues was actually won by a planeswalker deck. Uh, no, two actually. One being uh, Gideon Tribal, and oh, uh, no way, that's cool. The other one being won by one of our actual conquest staff members, Joe Bird, with a blue-black Tesseret, the six-mana one. Ah, oh wait. All right. It might actually be three, because I think six mana chandra might also have one, one. Oh the
0: the emblem one that gives yep. you the Oh man, okay, that sounds super spicy. Yeah, I'll I'll have to check. Is Is Oko legal or is Oko banned?
1: Oko is legal, but not as a commander.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good good choice. <laughs> so I will I'll add you for this. So yeah, I was I was just thinking about like because Oko did have kind of a format warping uh, time in many many formats mm-hmm. when it was legal. So uh, thank you so much again for coming onto the show, Sigi. And the hardest thank you to all of you listeners tuning into the PlayEDH 903.1 radio yet again. So uh, Siggy, thanks so much for coming onto the show. And this is Sidelio signing out. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to PlayEDH Radio 903.1 If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a like or a 5-star review on your preferred platform We'd also appreciate it if you could share our show with your friends or on social media Consider supporting us on Patreon You can find us at patreon.com playedh If you're already a patron, thank you Your contributions make all of what we do possible Including our upcoming Maximum Power Tournament, Playmax 3, on July 9th Further details can be found on our server, and signups can be found on Patreon. If you are not already a member, please take a moment to join our Discord. A link can be found on our website at playdh.com. There you will also find articles, interviews, deck techs and more by members of our staff. Our opening credits music is Meanwhile Beyond, and our ending credits is Accelerated Dimensions. Both songs are by the talented Formless Voyager. You can find their work at soundcloud.com, Slash Formless Voyager, and you can support them directly at FormlessVoyager.bandcamp.com. All links will be available in the podcast description.